You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. Let's enter into the joy zone with these indie creators. Follow, follow the sun, and which way the wind blows when this day is done. your intentions dream with care tomorrow's a new day for everyone a brand new moon a brand new sun you guys are listening to Sebastian Siegel um, <laughs> you're listening to Sebastian <laughs> Siegel, who, who just scored another goal on KLBP 99.1 FM Long Beach and worldwide streaming on klbp.org. Uh, and you're here with Thomas Artavani and Suzanne Toro. We're getting into the, the finer aspects and the the, 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 the grits of, of the grace of his latest film, which he's hitting on the, the most universal theme known to man, and, and that's the that's transcendent love. And uh, I would have to say that there'd be about 7.5 billion of us that would be interested in the subject matter. So let's just hope that 10% make it there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, right? Yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, you're right. Everyone's interested in love and transcendent love. But sometimes, I, yeah, people aren't ready to, uh, you know, sometimes we, we have to cross a bridge when we're ready. It's like we're all, all afraid of things that are gonna transform us. We're all afraid of coming out of the womb. We're all afraid of going through puberty. We're all afraid of falling in love. We're all afraid of dying. But we realize once we do each thing, it comes with enormous challenges, but every single one of them is spectacular, right? right. Coming out of the womb is great. Going through puberty is great. <laughs> falling in love is great. Just as death will be great. <laughs> but well, hit that darn bell, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Thank you, for God's sake. You <laughs> love that thing? On the That's not beautiful. They're all intimidating, you know, they're all intimidating. Right. It's interesting, like our our, our um, myopia sort of with being human and, and thinking that death is this awful thing, you know, of course it's going to be great. It's like when you're in the womb, you know, it's warm in there. It's yeah. Great, you know, you don't have to eat, you don't have to talk, you don't have to, <laughs> nothing. It's just fantastic. And then you come out and it's so intense, right? It's so loud and bright. <laughs> all this stuff but then after a while you're like well this hurts but it's pretty good up here you know it introduces all these other stimulus and i think that you know one of the important things particularly now in this world is reorienting our relationship with, with death with transcendence to say okay i want to be here now smell the flowers and love it big time but ultimately there's this spectacular other thing this other transformative thing that's going to occur and i want to have faith in it trust it completely absolutely so Sebastian, yeah, sorry, it's your yak bell, no cow bell. <laughs> we'll send you some yak butter tea later. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> when you were talking about the movie 
what I got chills and probably it's because, you know, your lead actress transcended. Uh, but you talked about going from doing to being. And if you can share uh, with our listeners what that could look like for anyone from going from, you know, we've all been put on a little bit of a halt. So we've gone from doing and now we're being asked to be and then we're ramping up to do again. But what, what does, what's the value of being and how can it enrich our doing? You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. Beautiful. Mina Savari brilliantly portrays Treo Wilbur in this story. And part of that journey of going from from doing to being, <clears throat> and in the book and in, in the, is chronicles her journals, she uh, changes her name actually uh, from Terry to Treya to mark that uh, different posture in, mm-hmm. in life and and, appreh- and the way that she apprehends life. And I think that the way it's articulated in this film adaptation is that. You know, she wants to fall in love and, and kind of get the guy and find a family and then finally meets this this extraordinary man and they feel deeply connected and, and, and fall in love. And then they come with this challenge, you know, this uh, they have to meet this illness head on, which now threatens all of her desires, all the things that they want together. Um, and so then it becomes about well, let's beat the thing, let's win, you know, let's make life the way we want it. Until eventually, and I think that, that this operates on a sort of mythic level as well, is that eventually we have to come to terms with the, with the fact that we cannot control life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Matreya creates, uh, articulates what she calls passionate equanimity, meaning giving all that she can to life without the need for it to go on, without the need to make it the way she wants. Yeah, and I think that um, metaphorically that speaks to, to, to us in a, in a way to say, like, life is going to hurt no matter what. You know, let's love this spectacular journey wherever it takes us. Yeah, hope and trust. <laughs> what is that little thing? Come on, man. Make that thing, make that thing sound. It's <laughs> We can, we can step it up a notch in post-production. <laughs> the hope and trust, you know, are, are making things the way that we want them to be. But faith is really, you know, not needing anything to be any particular way. So no matter what happens, I'm, I'm going to roll with it. Yeah, and that's, I think, that, you know, something that's written in on all sorts of biblical ways, you know, and in every religion. That faith is not needing something to be a certain way. You know, it's celebrating whatever the God is or whatever this world is in ways to say, you know, faith is saying, I give myself up to it. I surrender to the Mm. Oh, well, in in the Zen, you probably both can answer this. You know, we have this moment to moment, as Thomas, you would say, existence. And so if we embrace just the moment without attachment to a future moment, there's a lot of power right there. I'm I'm more interested in the, I'm more interested in this passionate equanimity that he said. (laughs) What was that? Well, that's right there in the moment. Was that pa- what, is that what the word term was? Passionate e- equanimity? That's, yeah. that's a beautiful term. I, I mean, I, 
I mean, that seems like such an ideal in life to get after. Is Can, can you go into that a little bit more by definition? Because I think that our audience would love that concept. I, it's And it speaks to me in this way because in and of itself, just languidly, it's uh, linguistically, it's, uh, it's a paradox, right? Passionate, hold on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> equanimity, let go, right? And I think that the relationship between those two things as said there is like the in-breath and the out-breath, right? Like the, a great in-breath, it's always nice. And then the deeper the out-breath, the better the in-breath. And it's like holding, you know, letting go, you know, to hold on, right? It's like the way we sign our name or the way that we swallow or the way that we kiss or the way that we dance. Go, hang on. This guy's you know, <laughs> full of cute. Letting go is, is the requisite for being able to be in touch, yeah? And that's what I think about passion and equanimity. You know, really. so. could you, we, honestly, we could say that we could all use some more passion and equanimity in our lives, right? Yeah, yeah big time. So your movie kind of goes into yeah. how to achieve a passionate equanimity. It goes into how to uh, I, I, how to live in that, or how to have the courage to go for that, and maybe be disappointed, or maybe get to the top of the mountain. Right? I'm not sure if it. I'm not sure. I suppose it depends on the viewer. I think if 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 anything, though, the movie is experiential. Well, I'm going to go there looking for passionate equanimity because I'm really <laughs> I'm really looking for that in my own life so to have to, to figure out how to get to the mountain and maintain a soul existence with somebody without getting distracted by the day-to-day -day social requirements that are put upon us as humans taxes death children child support uh having to wear a mask uh getting <laughs> locked in your house trying to <laughs> roll with that understand how how to accept that to make it part of your day-to-day how to how to avoid getting sucked into a political problem and making attaching yourself to ideology that only makes you miserable is is all there are all obstructions to passionate equanimity. Yeah, boy, it's uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's it's a confusing <laughs> one, and I think that uh, you know opening our eyes and, and listening with our own ears and thinking with free minds, yeah, is the requisite to any kind of path of of growth and transformation and sometimes that's really tough if the family we're in doesn't uh want that yeah or the state that we're in or the country that we're in or the world that we're in and so to to have enormous faith and in, in that deep intuitive sense of what's really going on is a challenging one how do you do it how do you manage that there's a convenience store in long beach that i go get it at <laughs> 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 you you want to give that address out? We'll have a lot yeah. of visitors. Yeah, yeah, they sell it. It's a two for one. <laughs> you go down there. Uh, <laughs> That's where we sell passion and equanimity and the ability to overcome all problems in the world. That's right. <laughs> now, it's, now it's a treasure hunt. Now we got to get that out of them before we end this KLBP interview. <laughs> Well, you know, Long Beach does have a, a, a tremendous community. It's, uh, it's uh, very open-hearted, it's extremely uh -huh. diverse. It's, uh, it's more conservative in, in, in a way, but there's so many different types of people meandering and getting along, and there's such a wonderful family community here as well, and it's a very uh, got-your-back community. It's, uh, even though it's big, I guess 500,000, um, it feels small and it feels yeah. intimate. 
And at one time uh, was uh, a few years ago the fastest growing city in the nation, I believe. And um, you know, I was a, a been a classic car owner for a long time. Uh, I had a '68 Firebird and a '67 uh, Camaro, and so I love going down to Long Beach for those cars. Also, um, I think that if anything, I, I think uh, what this is doing, at least in the United States, uh, this sort of global shutdown thing is is making people more conservative in the way to say uh, they want smaller government. Yeah, you know, understand so, and I can absolutely. Yeah, and I'm all I'm all for that. I'm all for small government. I can certainly smell that and feel that percolating, and that I feel like super welcome and at, at home in Long Beach for a lot of reasons around that. You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio, on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. Just changing gears, just changing gears a little bit. How about about, uh, our film industry? How is this affecting you and how do you see it uh, coming out the other side? Uh, it, it's been a transformative time already for film, yeah, with the sort of dip, uh, how, how films are uh, disseminated and viewed and shared. Uh, and then this is, I think, uh, accelerated that. Um, nevertheless, I do think that people, as much as people will be streaming more and more, there is something to be said about being in person that is so intrinsic in the way that we're made up as human beings like and I think if we look back at you know the evolution from uh, of the television and people being able to watch football or baseball or any sport or basketball on television the best seat in the house is clearly watching it on TV you can see everything and yet there's nothing like going in person no matter what seat you're sitting in no matter how many rows up or back you are the electrical current of being around all these people you know with a common sort of interest is uh, and it's like when birds flock yeah, yeah. when you know when <laughs> school, and we want to get lost in that electrical current so i think in that same way uh movies will the way that movies are shown in theaters will change i think you know probably more movies will be watched at home and the experience will will in, become more uh, immersive in theaters but people will still go to theaters to experience that i for one love going to the theater Absolutely. Well, well, Su- well, Suzanne and I actually attended the last XFL game in March yeah. before the shutdown. And to give you some idea of the, you know, trying to feel that audience vibe at a football game. I mean, I mean, that was just a little, that was, that was like the last event we got to get into before everything kind of went down. And that's just exciting. You know, you got 40,000 people and you're all there. You got people next to you don't even know and you're high-fiving them and yelling and screaming and, and, and getting to know your neighbors in a way that you could never know them unless you were in a big old audience just rooting for your team. And I think about, you know, I, I remember as a kid going to these New Orleans Saints games, the team would be behind like 30 points or something, and no one would leave. Everyone would stay until <laughs> the end. And then the game would end and people would still stay. <laughs> and I thought, that's what's really going on. Like the difference between what's happening and what's really going on. What's happening is the game or the work or the program or whatever. But what's really going on is this deep connection that we all want to be deeply connected and that 
going to the beach and going to connect with human beings, what people are wanting right now. Yeah, going to a game, having this sense that I'm, I'm just a human in this world, but wow, it feels great to be around all these other sentient beings and to be connected. Yeah. And that's so important and we can't deny that. And I think denying that basic evolutionary necessity, desire, impulse is really a dangerous, playing a dangerous game. Yeah? Absolutely. Well, the same with movies in a theater. It's, you're all experiencing it, you know, and, and if you're watching it with the people you're always watching with it in your home or by yourself, it's a very different experience. But all of a sudden you hear the laughter at some, you know, you're in a horror film, but people are laughing or you're in a romantic film and people are, you know, engaged the same way or maybe they don't like it, you know, but you get a different perspective uh, being in that setting. With uh, your new movie coming out, are you going, now that things, the world went left for a little bit, are you thinking that you'll have a theatrical, a movie theater release? Yeah, we will. It's it's at a few different, we'll go to a few different festivals and all these film festivals are determining when they're going to show in theater. So they're a little bit in limbo, uh, but we have been pre-selected for a few festivals. One of them will show at the uh, Chinese theater in Los Angeles. It might, you know, we're in the running at Cannes. I don't know if we'll end up being in that festival or not. It's that's a, That'll be virtual this year. It'll have some sort of theatrical release for sure. When, when did they move the, the Cannes Film Festival? They just, I, I'm not sure what date they're doing it, but they've, I think, decided, I think they're fairly committed to doing it virtually. Mm. Yeah, but they, they must have pushed it, otherwise we would have just had it, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think so. And um, uh, Maybe October. Yeah, and, and I think that that festival, it, it, it has such a, it attracts so much, so much interest that it's probably, a, it would be good for the film there. But otherwise, I think it would be, it's important to have a, a world premiere in a theater. I, I think people will always want to go to the festivals, as you know, or if you haven't been to a film festival, people, make sure you make it to a film festival because it's really a celebration of not just film. It's just a, a great place to get to rub elbows with your favorite actors and your favorite directors and people are accessible and you can have conversations with people that you could never normally have a conversation with and get pictures with people you would never be able to get pictures with. Make, make your way to any local film festival and you'll really find the celebration of art. But the Cannes Film Festival, one of the biggest in the world and certainly one of the biggest uh, distribution markets in the world. So sure. if you get your film into that, that'll definitely help the, help the mission, yeah? Yeah, that would be great. It would be a great fit. And, and, but it's also, it's also like, you know, what you were saying earlier. I mean, it's uh, the puzzle and the timing, you know, depending on are there other love stories there? You know, are there other yeah. giant love stories? Because if so, man, then maybe it's not the right fit, you know, for this year. I think that's that's a, you know, curating any kind of show, uh, you know, particularly movies is a tough one. If they're only going to select, you know, if, let's say you have to choose, you know, 100 movies to air over this certain period and you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of yeah. movies. To scroll through, it's you know becomes less about probably most of the movies at that level are, are incredible quality, beautiful stories. But you know, how do you match uh, and curate the menu to make it so that they uh, agree with one another in some sort of, you know, dictating some sort of uh, zeitgeist to what's going on in the world? I hope this movie is a fit there. Nevertheless, we're going to three great festivals in Los Angeles: um, the IFS Los Angeles Film Festival, uh, Dances with Films, uh, the Catalina Film Festival. Uh, what are those? Uh, they don't have. They're not. They haven't. They, I think the three of them have committed to doing theatrical 
dates. I think one of them is at the Grove in Los Angeles. Uh, one of them will be at the uh, Chinese, the famous Chinese theater on Hollywood. And I think that that one will be the Los Angeles Film Festival September 1st or end of August. Um, yeah. They were they pre-selected Grace and Grit to win uh, Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor. Um, but they just wow. don't know what date it'll air. But at least for people in Los Angeles, the Chinese theater is a great place to see a movie. Absolutely. And then Catalina, when's that going to be? Because that'll be at the Avalon there. I think so. You know, they because of the situation, depending on how the mayor and the governor respond to everything and, and dictate things, you know, hopefully they won't. Uh, hopefully the things will open up and, and they'll be more trusting of uh, people in California to you know, <laughs> use judgment, which is what I think is always the best way to go to be, you know, have faith in people. If, if so, they'll have it in Catalina. If not, they might move it to Long Beach. Right. Very good. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what's really beautiful is that film has truth. Then an audience will find it. And a lot of the greatest films ever made didn't initially find an audience. People eventually, especially in this market where everything, once it makes it online, it can live forever. And all the uh, SVOD and TVOD and then your own, your own distribution. And then with all these other outlets, it, if it's good and it has a heart and it has a soul, It'll find an audience. But I think you're, you're right, Thomas, about it'll find its audience. And that dovetails back to what we were talking about on the top of this thing about, you know, and I, I know that the film will find, um, you know, soon and then also over years as well, uh, uh, an audience. Talk, and talking about audiences as a, as a modern filmmaker, it's interesting how even for the independent world, the marketing scheme is kind of working backwards. It's almost like we're putting more energy into creating an audience, finding out what it is they want to see and then developing material for that audience. I mean, it's kind of complete flop, but you know what? The model is working and a lot of people are proving that to be true. Are you thinking that way at all? <laughs> wow, man, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Because um, you're such a humble guy. And like you said, I don't like to talk about myself, so I'm supposed to build that audience. You got to start bragging about your own stuff and that's hard and takes robs your soul, but then you got to like <laughs> tell people and get people to like you and then <laughs> you, know, you, you get like, you know, like three million followers, and, and if ten percent of those people go see your movie, you now you're you're in the black. Yeah, yeah, that's well said, and it's a balance, I think, right? It is definitely a balance. I mean, I I'm a writer, but I'm a, a producer and a director, and I understand that working on a film, my job as producer trumps my job as director. Yeah, that ultimately I always have to make the best decision for the film. That as a director, I want to tell the best story. As a producer, I want to make, make the best movie and also honor and respect and have great integrity for the, the individuals and the teams that make the film happen, make it possible. Um, so in, in one way, yeah, as a director, I just stay true to it. I'm not concerned as much about the audience, but as a producer, very much so, right? And so I do, like I think with upcoming films, yeah, I'm looking at films that uh, I'm being pulled to do, a, you know, a horror film or an action film or a big, you know, sort of larger studio type film um, and, and finding like what, what, what's the right group, what speaks to me well in a way that I feel that I can be of service to the movie, that I can be of service to the team that wants to create that film, that I can be of service to, to the story um, uh, and that also I can find a home for it, an audience for it, yeah. We're talking with Sebastian Siegel, and you're on KLBP 99.1 FM Long Beach, and you're here with uh, Thomas Artavani and Suzanne Toro, and we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the film business, and we're talking about Sebastian's film, 
grace and grit, or is it grit and grace? Grace and grit. Grit and grit. grit. But it's okay. Either one will do. It's G and G, baby. It's grace and grit. Sometimes I get things flopped around, but either way, it works for me. Grace and grit, and and uh, look, you're gonna be looking for this uh, film in in your local theaters in a short amount of time. It's gonna be at festivals, making its rounds, and then it's gonna wind up on your TV screen. And if you ever see that name, Grace and Grit, make sure you flip on it. Whether you're listening right here in Long Beach or whether you're listening on the worldwide streaming of KLBP, Grace and Grit will go worldwide, no doubt. And uh, it's a fabulous love story, uh, and I can't wait to see it. Passionate equanimity. Matthew. So, Maybe. Sebastian, how... And the teaser is everywhere online. If people look up Grace and Grit movie or Grace and Grit movie teaser, it's everywhere. We'll, we'll put the link when we promote it on social, this show on social media, too, so they can get to you, your book, and your trailer for this movie. For you, Passionate Equanimity, how did it change from taking on this project in in your spiritual practice to maybe touch on her wisdom? It feels like that's very much part of was her eternal purpose for this Who's footprint. Her? Who's her? What were after her? Are you <laughs> Sorry. What's a her? <laughs> the lead actress. <laughs> the lead actress? Who's your lead actress? Mia Savari. I've worked with both of them. I mean, is, um, in this film, she's just brilliant, right? She was in American Beauty. Um, oh, right. Man. Yeah, you know, she's got that iconic, you know, the girl in the rose, in the rose petals, right, from that film. So this is Mina Savari. Who's your guy star? That's uh, Stuart Townsend, and um, he's just brilliant in the role. And then it's also with Mariel Hemingway, Francis Fisher, Nick Stahl, uh, Rebecca Graff, Lady Hurst, yeah, Tara Sukoff. They're all wonderful. wonderful. So, so what? What have been your? What have, What has been your? If you've had a challenge in terms of getting the intimacy and the directorial? Yeah, right off the top, uh, Francis Fisher was with me on the film for a long time. Like she was cast uh, very early on. She's been a friend. She was also in my documentary film, and read many incarnations of the uh, script early on, and, and loved the material and the book and the story, and also trusted me as a director and as a writer and as a producer. So she and she's just such a brilliant actress. Then, uh, then it was really about also building around, uh, you know, who is this woman, right? Who is this woman? Uh, you know, because as an actor, this role is so intense, both of these roles uh, for the two leads. It requires, first of all, it's an enormous amount of material. It's a true story, you know, that uh, a gripping story that means a lot to many people around the world. So that's a lot of pressure for two actors to take on. Um, also, it's deeply emotional. These, these actors need to portray and become these individuals who essentially are at one point beautiful and at one point sexy and at one point graceful and at one point devastated and at one point angry and at one point they have to go through all these different things that there's very vulnerable places for an actor to go. So I think in the casting of the film early on, I just, I didn't know who was the, going to be the woman. Uh, there were a couple actresses that I had in mind just in terms of when I was adapting the screenplay, figuring out the mannerisms and-, and How many locations are you working with? How many locations? Uh, wow, we did a lot of places. We did a lot of locations. It takes place. I want to put a button on that on that first though about the actress. Um, that when I worked with Mina on another film and we were, I worked with her as an actor and I was opposite her. In the scene, it was very emotional and there was an enormous amount of um, uh, material and she was just so on it right then that for sure she was the one. And mm. now, I, you know, and then in, in doing it, then 
really it's a, the relationship between actor and director is a sort of sacred intimate relationship of respect and trust and play and collaboration and, and, and it's continuous you know feedback and then it's such an intimate experience that then you develop a sort of shorthand which is why you see directors work with the same actors again and again and again because you you know, you have this understanding or here we're, we're trying to create this thing and there's this unspoken rapport. And then again, the same thing with Stuart Townsend. He and I had a phone discussion uh, and talked for a while. And then once we connected, I just knew that he was the guy. He was at the right moment in his life, you know, a powerful actor. It just the material spoke to him. It's a lot to take on. You know, to play Ken Wilber is a, is a tall order. And I think that uh, even if an actor is skilled enough, they have to be in the right moment in their life to want to take that on. And Stuart was, and I was sure once he and I connected, I was like, this guy is so soulful. Yeah. On very, uh, on profound levels. And uh, sure enough, I couldn't, you know, retrospectively, I can't imagine any other actors playing these, these two roles. I and mean, they were just both, both brilliant. You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani. Absolutely. And a bonus is that... that, uh, you know, Stuart had long hair when we started the film. And, of course, Ken Wilber had shaved head. And Stuart yeah. shaved his head on the first day of filming. And when he shaved his head, he ended up looking exactly like Ken. Like Yeah. And that, that was a wonderful bonus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did a great job. I, You know, I think some people that kind of know Ken Wilber will think it is Ken Wilber. You know what I mean? That aren't, like, up close follower of Ken Wilber, but know enough about him. will be like, is that Ken? <laughs> is that him? So you did a really great job with the casting and what, without giving too much away, would you say everyone on the set had their own transcendental moment? Because when you're, you're creating from transcendental space versus like A, B, C, get the thing done kind of thing, it's a much different environment. Uh, And there's obviously a mysticism to acting and performing anyways. Would you say during this process that everyone went through their moments that they were destined to be touched by. That's a great intuition. Yeah, because some films are a, a mess and other films are really, there's a, there's a synchrony and it's cohesive. I've been fortunate um, to work on work on both. I mean, as an actor, I've certainly worked on sets that I thought were not run well, but I've worked with so many masters that I was just blown away and learned so much from so many people in every single department. So by the time we did, I did this film, um, I just could not have been more blessed and fortunate with uh, the team on every single level. I mean, everyone was spectacular and everyone was, and I I don't use this word lightly, uh, it's selective, but brilliant. I mean, right from every single prop to wardrobe, to production design, to post, to music, to score, to sound, to color, to makeup, to hair. So, I mean, every actor, you know, the, every every single detail, you know, to grip, mm-hmm. to lighting, to, you know, my brilliant cinematographer and partner who I've done many uh, projects with, uh, Sean, uh, my uh, AD, AC, et cetera. I mean, I go through, you know, everyone. Um, that being said, uh, what you said about did people have some sort of experience that was beyond the film? I think so. We were There were a couple scenes that were very, very emotional, obviously, and there were moments where I looked around and people were crying <laughs> while we were shooting them. Um, there's actually, in uh, one of the final scenes in the film, 
uh, it was all, we have what's called a hard uh, hard lock, uh, you know, so that it's silent on the set because it's a deeply emotional scene between the two lead actors, between uh, Mina and Stuart. I was watching it, yeah, I'm watching, I'm on the monitor and they're in the room, we were shooting that scene and I'm watching it and I, I am very attached to the material already and I'm emotionally available, of course, and I was getting a little teary-eyed and then, you know, at one point I, I glanced over and I could feel the people next to me and one of my producers, he's not an emotional guy, I saw him and he was watching like this, he had like his eyes covered, you know, <laughs> there was tears coming out. <laughs> And then I looked, and then I could feel next to me, like there's someone, uh, one of my colleagues in makeup uh, and wardrobe, they were both like, just tears rolling down <laughs> their faces, you know? And uh, I thought that's, woo, that's just like we were talking about, about being a live audience, yeah, at a, at, a, at a sports game or at a movie. This is a good thing to feel. So when we actually shot that scene and that uh, particular take, I didn't cut. Uh, I just let it roll out, and then I walked into the room and, uh, and sat down with the two actors on the bed and uh, we just sort of hugged and had this sort of kind of deep, connective, intuitive, telepathic connection about, you know, this is something that we are all here today creating that's really, really beautiful. We can feel it. Wow, wow, that, that, that's a big thing, dude. Good Lord, have mercy. And, and you know what? That's a tribute to your experience and probably your groundedness and your centeredness and a lot of your practice allows those things to happen and draw the right people to you. But what a luxury as a director, because that gives you the freedom you need to, to focus on the details and the, new, the nuances uh, while you have the time to create those moments in those, uh, on those locations. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I can't wait to see this, this film and, and to see how that showed up on, on, the, on the screen. And I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking to be moved because you know if your audience, uh, I mean, if your crew is moved, your audience is gonna be moved. And that's a really good sign for <laughs> you this thing. And that's, that's, that's really, really cool. That means we're all gonna be crying like babies. You download the footage right yeah, every day to make sure that you have a backup of it so you don't lose the footage. It's DIT and um, uh, there was a moment I went over to the to the DIT tent and, and he was downloading footage. I wanted to look at something and he and he was like he had been crying. <laughs> so that's good, you know. That's great. That's great. Yeah, well, that vibrational imprint's in there so that you can't escape it. So good job. <laughs> well, listen, from a uh, you, I've been asking this question of our guests just just for just because of the times and it seems like it. It, uh, it taps into uh, the intuitive intelligence of some of our extraordinary guests like you. Uh, if you were God, what would be the top three things you would wish for your humanity at this point in time? Faith. Faith, one. <laughs> Grace. Grace, two. Integrity. Wow, mm. faith, grace, and integrity. Beautiful. Could you define faith for us? Faith is not needing things to go a certain way, but trusting ourselves to the process. And there's been something that's been going on for billions of years evolutionarily that we, that we can't control and, and over control. I call it over ironing the shirt. You iron a shirt a little bit, it's nice. And you start to iron it too much, try to control it too much, it gets worse. You know, faith is getting in the water to swim, and if we try too hard, we sink. But if we give ourselves, if we surrender to the water, we float. Oh my God, this guy's blowing my mind. <laughs>
How about grace? How you defining was faith, grace, and integrity, right? Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. How do you define grace? Grace is really feeling the in-breath and the out-breath and, and letting things, allowing things to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think when flowers grow and grass grows, when trees grow, the, when the sun rises or sets, when someone passes or is born, it wants to be, it, it is beautiful. It's beautiful, mm -hmm. it's woven into the fabric of existence. And sometimes we force things and we want them to be our way collectively mm. or individually. And then when we do that, we steal the grace out of things. So I think it's allowing the world to be beautiful, allowing mm. others in, allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable if, if, if needed, to allow the beauty of, of life in. Mm. I got tears in my eyes. <laughs> maybe, maybe, it's just, maybe it's just, I don't know, just that just bring, brings the happy tears and maybe, maybe, and how about integrity? <laughs> Integrity, I think, from the root, the word integral, you know, there's a, an interweaving of everything. Uh, that having this, I, I think, as Martin Buber describes, the I-thou relationship with life, seeing the spirit of God, of eternity, of whatever that thing is, in every sentient being's eye, right? Whether it's our mm. dog or our love or our friend or the stranger on the street. Yeah, to be, to, to have integrity, to respect all life and, and really appreciate it. Ahambarasmi, ahambarasmi. Faith, grace, and integrity. You would be a good God, Sebastian. Uh, we've, been lucky to, we've been lucky to have you here on KLBP 99.1 FM, Long Beach, on Indie Creators in the Joy Zone with Suzanne Toro, Thomas Ardovani. This has been what a wonderful, wonderful journey, and you're such a beautiful guy inside, outside, everywhere. This guy's as beautiful inside as he is on the outside, ladies. You would love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, Suzanne, it's so it's such a pleasure to be here with you, with you both. And thanks so much for what you guys are doing, which is the, the media uh, that you're carrying through uh, through through this. Yeah, it's really so. Well, 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 we we should be back in the studio hopefully in a few months, and then. Uh, uh, we'd love to hear the progress of your film and love to have you in the studio to, just to do what exactly what we're talking about. Be face to face <laughs> and to vibe off of each other. The energy between between the three of us, we could get down to the nitty gritty of some serious artistic uh, ideology. I love it. And Sebastian, hey. that might be your next book, hey? Good. Grace and Integrity. There you go. Can you name uh, it if I were, if I were God? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll put the links below, but if you can share the best place for people to connect to you and your work. Um, I don't do too much social media, but uh, Instagram's great way to send me a message. And Sebastian Siegel with the digit one, Sebastian Siegel one, S-I-E-G-E-L. And then uh, the site for the movies, graceandgrit.net. Uh, it's great. Twitter a little bit as well, uh, Sebastian Siegel on Twitter. Very Grace good. Grit, ladies and gentlemen, that's the movie we're looking for. We want to see that. Grace and Grit. Thank you guys. This has been uh, Sebastian Siegel, <laughs> Suzanne Toro, and Thomas Ardovani. Thank you. Thank you, Sebastian. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Wow. What a gift, huh? Absolutely. I liked how he called Long Beach a little bit of a zeitgeist. That's a good little feather that's in big, Long That's Beach a big is, word for me. What does that mean? Uh, kind of like the seed innovator or seed idea maker in a, in a city that the city has vision and uh, and I think that's kind of true with the local businesses. Everyone's these innovators and creators here in Long Beach, from our Long Beach Creamery to the distillery to the bread baker, that they have a vision and they are willing to build and create and push that outward. 
versus following along, emulating what everyone else is doing. I loved how he found his way into his comfort zone. And uh, we were able to see inside this extraordinary man's genius. Uh, he gave us a little window into how he brings that to his, the art of filmmaking. And it's very clear how he'd bring that to his poetry or his music and all these other wonderful artistic things. But wow, how lucky would you be to have him as a director? He's He's really cool. He seems like a, uh, a guy you'd want to be around, a guy you'd want to work with, and uh, he allows you to just uh, kind of exhale and trust it. I guess it's reflective. I mean, I mean, you're a great master at this, Thomas, uh, welcoming people into their present moment and their full potentiality. Uh, that's kind of the difference, I think, in creation, whether you're trying to do something that's mechanical versus letting it have a very present moment uh, beyond, I don't know, explainable reality being supported, you know, that when you create beyond, from beyond, there's something really magical that occurs. Those masterpieces appear, those prose flow through us. And it's interesting because everyone we keep enter entering uh, as our indie creators, our nonconformists seems to tap into that, whether they're an athlete or a writer, or film creator, uh, it's, it's really beautiful. Common denominator. Yeah, so many things are going through, so many, so many things are going through my head. It's it's difficult for all of us that are in this business in a way because the marketing schemes are changing. You have to keep up with how to go about doing your art, and it's uh, it's such a journey. You know, it, it's a luxury not to have to take responsibility for self promotion. But these days, it's kind of like it's good part of the budget. Like even before you get going, pre production is now including how to garner your audience or you're saddled with having to prove that you have an audience before you can get money from an investor. And then you, you can see how he was shifting gears between the producer hat and then once you're in that director mode, it's a uh, sacred territory where you can just kind of zone in and just focus on the moments and how to get those moments out of your cast and crew. And that's a very uh, uh, special time for a director. Yeah, that's the dance between heaven and earth, the Tao. You have to still chop wood and carry water. When you when you merge the two, it's so beautiful, you know. Well, no, yeah, no matter how you cut it, making film is a privilege, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a hard road. But uh, once you see the integral aspects of it, or the fun in it, or how you can control your audience to a certain degree and give them a certain type of experience, that's when it really gets fun. That's what I love about it. That's what I love about the process of writing and directing. And Absolutely. And I, I think most people, if they've never worked on a production or even like built a building, I'll use the analogy, is that you don't realize how much goes into making that final story and the details. And it's, it's mind boggling. I mean, I remember as a teen being on Raising Arizona set and I was really blown away that... Well, that's a film I, with Nick Cage, isn't it? Isn't that a <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage, Cage. Yeah, it was a major production. Yes, you the, the 70s. It was in late 80s, 88. 70s, you're not even that old. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it was in the late 80s. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyways, but I was pretty amazed at how much energy was going into making just these scenes that we participated in. Uh, and then when you get it to down to the final film, there's just so many, you know, it's, it is a labor of, of love. Uh, there's no way around that. Well, it's been a pleasure, Suzanne. Well, it's great, been a pleasure, great, Thomas. Really good job. You'll... 
Well, and so we, next we have up Christine Christensen. Uh, so we're going to go from the Christine Zen of... Christensen. Well, the these Zen two are going to be a dynamic. It's going to be yeah, a good show. She's going to light her fire right there. Literally yeah, the Zen of fire. movie making to, to move in our body. I mean, I've been watching a few of her uh, Zoom dance parties, and it's it's so beautiful because uh, it's like humanity in every every form uh, and expressing themselves through the body. Uh, oh, it brought, a, it brought a big smile like, on my face. Like, she's like big <laughs> trance dance. We should have a perpetual smile on our face. Looking yeah. forward to it. They, they would be fun to bring back down, you know, do a little show of the movie and then do a little DJ set and trance oh, dance here yeah. in Long Beach. Yeah. <laughs> right there at the Shannon's at the top. <laughs> Christy, Christy Christensen on KLBP, Long Beach, 99.1 FM on Indie Creators in the Joy Zone. That's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. We'll dive in very momentarily. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You are listening to the Indie Creators in the Joy Zone on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio on 99.1 FM and online at klbp.org. This is your hosts, Suzanne Toro and Thomas Artivani.